When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Monday morning, 14th of December. Do you know we only have nine shows left to Christmas? Nine opinion lines left before Christmas. It's coming closer. Ever closer. And you know what? I'll be looking at the numbers, the COVID numbers for Cork at some stage this morning. I've been teasing them out. We're doing a lot better than the country in general. We should give ourselves a little clap on the back because we in Cork have really got it down over the last uh, couple of weeks and we should try and be careful now be very careful for the next week and a half or two weeks and then maybe over the Christmas we can get together with the ones closest to us and and do it properly and do it safely but still we can do it I'll give you those numbers a bit later on also um, a scam doing the rounds brought to us or brought to our attention last evening by by a listener a really really realistic looking scam you get a text message purporting to be from AIB Bank to tell you that there's been a transaction on your account and it offers you a link to check was that you and when you click the link the website and I've looked at the two this morning next to each other you can't to the naked eye you can't tell the difference it's a scary scam as going around and some people will be caught by it particularly with so much you know uh, tapping and so much online purchasing going on at the moment somebody's bound to be caught by it so that's coming so if you've seen that if you got a text from AIB over the last few days saying that there was a, a transaction on your account or whatever don't near it stay away from it AIB will never contact you like that but thank you and we'll talk to the listener later who brought that to our attention but first this morning remember last week we were speaking to poor old Tom who told us about his radiator and how it had leaked and destroyed his house and was still leaking and the council he was waiting for it was nearly nearly 10 days before someone actually came out to do something we're also talking last week to, to Sam you know Sam Barry her house which is an absolute tip her place down there in in Boreen Manor Road I've got some professional advice on that over the weekend we will be coming back to it I've got two specific experts both looked at her photographs for me and what they told me would scare you they'll come back to that over the next couple of days but first of all uh, good morning to you Mary good morning PJ you also have had a problem with the council yeah we've had trouble with our boiler for months and then um, three weeks ago our back rad decided to start leaking um, all over the front room 
So um, we tried contacting the council and we were told that someone would be out to have a look at it or would contact us, but no one contacted us. And we were constantly ringing and I emailed and I called down there to speak to someone and I was told that no, you can't speak with someone that you'd need to make an appointment. And then when you ask to make an appointment, they say, no, you need to to ring someone to speak to them on the phone, you know. Mm. Um, but yet no one still got back to us and it's 14 days tomorrow or 21 days tomorrow, sorry. And the red is still leaking. Yeah, it's still leaking and now the front rod has started leaking as well. Um, we have no heating and the house is freezing cold. Have you turned the whole lot off, you have? Yeah. yeah but is it still leaking, like, even when it turned it's off? It's still leaking even though it's turned off, yeah. Crikey, the house must be freezing. Yeah, it's freezing and, um, like, my mum would be at home most days. I'd be at working, so she's there all the time and it's absolutely, it's like an ice box, you know. I've had to buy, like, electric blankets for the bed and everything and she has to go up to bed earlier in the evenings. I do the same when I come in from work just for a bit of heat, you know. It's so cold. Crikey. And you can't light a fire or nothing, no? Um, we have a gas fryer, but there's actually a problem with the gas as well, and that was turned off, I'd say, maybe a year or more ago, and someone still hasn't come out to even look at that, you know. Hold on, they turned off the gas to your fire, so because there's a problem with the fire, but they never bothered to actually repair the no. fire. And we were just depending on the rads. Like, in the meantime, they'd heat up the room, you know, and you'd have bolted them on, but now we um, we don't have them either, so... Oh, God. Yeah. Your, your mum grew up in that house, did she? She did, yeah. Um, so they'd be there uh, 65 years. Um, my mum was just a couple of weeks old when they moved there. Um, my nan and my granddad would have been one of the first people to, to move into the house and all our lives we've been there, you know, all the generations. <laughs> Crikey. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible that they just won't come out and sort something for you. Now, I know that there... Was there a phone call in the last couple of days... Yeah, on, um, I contacted Councillor Thomas Gould, I emailed him and um, one of his team got back to me and they sent an email on our behalf and then on Friday morning um, a worker turned up at the house for literally two minutes, just looked at the rad and said there was nothing that could be done, that they'd come back Monday afternoon, that was it and just left again. Come back and do what? Like, <laughs> you don't didn't know? didn't even say, yeah. Right. So they're all so, leaking... You have no heating with the last two and a half weeks. You haven't been able to light the fire for a year. No. And we depend on, like, say, the heating system to heat up the hot water as well. So all we have is just about lukewarm water. So, like, even trying to have a shower, you just have probably, like, lukewarm water. And then there's no rads kind of to come out of the shower from. So you're going into nearly a cold shower and coming out to a cold house then as well, you know. Um, And even trying to do stuff like washware and all that. We're just boiling kettles and... It's not a way to be living like God Almighty, it's not. No, no. Like, we pay our rent all the time. You pay a few euros extra that if something happens, you know, they come up and do services and that. So, what's the point when no one will even come out, you know? Like, fair enough, they're probably up the walls with all this COVID thing, but it's three weeks now. Yeah. No, no, you can't be excusing that for everything. Yeah. And, like, my mum's health is deteriorating from it. Like, she has health issues as it is. Well, like, um, with the cold and all that, she picks up the flu and that very easily. Mm. And you can hear in her now she's chesty, like she's a pain in her lungs. And she's already kind of cocooning with COVID and that because she'd be high risk. So, like, yeah. she's almost as bad in the house now that she could pick up pneumonia or something. And if she did, like, it would finish her, you know. And she's so cold in her own house that so she's getting into bed with the electric blanket. 
Yeah, and that's no way to be living. Like, I'd be gone out to work about half seven in the morning. I wouldn't come back till maybe after six. And then, like, she'd be going up to bed or she could be in bed. So it's kind of upsetting for us both, you know. That's not good for her mood. No, no. Like, it's a bad enough time with the COVID and all that without, you know, it's bad enough she can't really go out during the day herself that she's locked in home in a nice cold house and then you have to go up to bed for a bit of heat. Yeah, yeah, because she's staying in for her own safety. Yeah. And she's freezing inside in the house. Yeah, you'd nearly be warmer outside now, I'd say, at this stage. That's crazy. That's yeah. mad. That really is mad. Yeah, it's a disgrace. Now, you got a call Friday, and they said they're going to come back today. Yeah, so we're waiting to see will someone come back, like, this afternoon and just see what's going to happen, whether they're going to do something or... Mm. Or which, you know, but I don't think we can go on like this much longer, you know. My mum isn't going to be able to take it because I can see something happening or from the stress and from what it's doing to our health as well, you know. You need to get get plumbers in there and find out what's going wrong and get it organised and fix the damn gas fire, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, it's no way to be living, like, especially this time of year. That's crazy. That's crazy. Mary, I, I don't know what I can say to you. Keep in touch with us, right? And and if you get any satisfaction out of whoever's going to visit you today, uh, keep in touch. And if you don't, keep in touch. We'll get yeah. in their house a bit for you. That's Perfect. just not on. It's just not on. And of yeah. course, the other thing too is, even if you get a plumber around today with the best will in the world, it's 10 days to Christmas, and most of these guys will be wrapping up next Friday yeah, for the exactly. break. It's a bad time of year, especially coming so close to Christmas now, you know, like they could either just come up and say they'll either come back in January or or maybe they might do something we just don't know, you know. That's not, coming back in January be, isn't an option. You need a plumber in there today yeah. and you need someone in there fixing that to warm the house up for yourself and your mother. You need that done tomorrow or the day after. Yeah, it's it's no way to be living now, really. Like. No, it's not, not good enough at all. Mary, listen, mind yourself. What's, what's your, your mum's name? Uh, Josephine. All right, say hello to Josephine for me, and uh, we'll we, we stay across it with you. All right, Mary, thank you very much for that. 1850-715-996. What is it that the council takes so long to come out to its own tenants to look after rads, to look after a gas fire in the middle of winter? So they called her on Friday and they said, look, there'll be someone out today, and if there's someone out today, you get a plan of work in place. That, has, that work has to be done this week. Because most builders, most builders are wrapping up for the Christmas and most trades are wrapping up for the Christmas either Friday or Tuesday. Tuesday at the latest. You cannot leave a mother and daughter in, in that freezing cold house and mother with severe health issues across Christmas. That's not good enough at all. 1850-715-996. As I said, I got a professional opinion on uh, Sam Barry's place over the weekend. I won't tell you what it is until we take it a little bit further. Uh, but you'd be amazed by what I was told. Uh, you would. Kate says, this is ridiculous. The council need reminding. It's Christmas. 1850-715-996. Has anyone come across that scam that I told you about? We'll, we'll get more details on it later, but there are text messages going around that purport to come from AIB and when you click on the link in the text message the website you you could not tell it apart from the real thing it's a really elaborate scam please if you get a text message like that that says it comes from AIB don't click on the link 
AIB or any bank will never contact you that way. 1850-715-996. Some good news for people depending on medicinal cannabis. Next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM with your local mace. Serving local communities for 60 Christmases and counting. Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. PJ, I honestly can't fault the corporation. We moved into our home 17 months ago. The boiler kept breaking down. I've called them out about 20 times. Came two weeks ago, fitted a new boiler. Every time I rang or emailed, they always responded within a reasonable time frame. Good for you. Another call says, I feel so sorry for that lady with the radiator issues. When you look at all the new modern homes being built in the city today, they're brilliant. But Mary and her mom also need help. If the council have contractors working on bigger jobs, why can't they be just redeployed for a couple of days to sort out these heating problems? Another message. The council don't care about their tenants. I ring every week. I'm waiting over four years for them to replace my back door, which is rotten. There's a three-inch gap at the end of the door. It's freezing in my house. They came two years ago and said you'll have a new door next week, and I'm still waiting. And if you ask the council, they'll say we can't comment on individual cases. Grand. 1850-715-996. I spoke a couple of weeks ago on the programme with Vera Toomey, uh, who was told us that for the medicinal cannabis that she gets for Ava, they had to travel to get it in Holland up to the start of the pandemic. And then when the pandemic hit, they were able to make an arrangement that it gets couriered in by DHL, I think she said. But now they were waiting for that to come to an end. They were told it would come to an end because there was an issue with the filling of prescriptions and the licensing and the transport and all of that. Press release just out this morning from the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, indicates that the arrangement that was put in place for the pandemic will now be made permanent. Now, I know this is new news to you, just like it was to us, Vera, but it's great news, isn't it? Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? And can I just say... Just before anything about the cannabis, there's there's a drain blocked below in the village in Ahabulog, and we'd love if the council would come out and fix it because it's really upsetting one of my neighbours. He right. said it to me. So if they're listening, would you come out and unblock it, please? Right. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. This is um, good news. You were talking to me about this a few weeks ago, and you were saying, look, if they found a way to do it for the pandemic, they can find a way to do it for after the pandemic. Absolutely. And it just seemed like such a sensible you know, for for the patients and economically for them to do so. And I saw the press release as well yesterday, PJ, and I mean, I think it looks very positive to you. Mm, it does. You're supposed to meet Stephen Donnelly, I think, this week, are you? Yeah, we're supposed to meet on Friday. So um, I presume that meeting is going ahead. Um, I think it should because um, we'll say the... Um, the, the press release is positive, yeah. but I would like the details of how they intend to make it operational. 
um, it would be a comfort to have the details because, um, you know, I, I, I would like to be in a situation where I'm not going to be coming back again in, you know, after Christmas saying, well, they said they were going to deliver it, but, you know, um, but, but looking at the press release, I think it's, I, I, I think it's positive. I think it's a step in the right direction for us, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it says here that, um, in the, in the press release, private, prior to COVID-19, patients or their family members travelled to the Netherlands to collect their prescriptions. Authorities in the Netherlands had, forgi- had forbidden the commercial export of cannabis oils, but will allow the filling of individual prescriptions from EU states. So clearly, that's a change. It was Dutch law that meant you had to go and collect it. But clearly it, now... It was. It was Dutch. It, it was, was Dutch, Dutch law. law but however, yeah. however... The the British patients and the Northern Irish patients never had to travel. Did they not? The, they didn't. You see, okay. The, there's there's friends there's friends of ours in England and in Northern Ireland who got their medication prescribed, and then the Home Office in England took the necessary measures, which I presume are the same measures that the um, department are examining okay. now to be able to allow the delivery of the medication into the future. So the British patients never had to travel. And indeed, as I said to you, I think previously, I sent the Control Drugs Unit of the Department of Health all of the details of how it had been achieved in England. But in the end of 17, 18, they didn't act on those. um, They didn't act on that information. But look at... Well, it looks as if... We had to travel, we had to go... But now it seems that you know they're they're doing what they need to do to make okay. it easier for us. You, you'll be work. meeting you'll be meeting Stephen Donnelly on Friday, and definitely there's a clarity according to his press release and some other news reports this morning that whatever they needed to do has been done, and that yes. you won't have to travel in the future, which is good yes. news. It is it is very positive. I mean, um, the the word the word permanent has been used in the press release a couple of times, so. I mean, looking at it, 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 it seems like we're the, the the patients who have been prescribed the medical cannabis so far that hopefully we're sorted. But I suppose there's a, there's a lot still needs to be done for for other people to access this. Yeah. You know, I yeah. I'd be I'd be nervous that they would um, resolve this set of circumstances for us and then put the issue yeah. aside. But but that that's not possible yeah. because. So many other people need access to the medication, you know, yeah, Fiji? I do. I do. Listen, Vera, good news for you, though, and others. And uh, let us know what happens at that meeting on Friday, if there are any developments with Minister Donnelly. But as of this morning, thanks, Vera, and good luck to you, and happy Christmas to herself. I suppose she's waiting, she's waiting for Santa. Thanks, Vera. A planned meeting with Stephen Donnelly on Friday between Vera and, her, and, and the Minister. So if we hear any more from that, uh, we'll come back. But what they've said is... What they've said is the temporary arrangement that they put in place to allow people with the licence to get the cannabis, that now, they've done away with that so people didn't have to travel during the pandemic. The plan now is that they've made arrangements for it not to have to happen anymore. One thing we learned in the course of the pandemic is that there's no such word as can't. It can be done. And if it could be done for the pen... Yeah, anyway, you know what I'm getting at. 1850-715-996. Someone else says they got the very same kind of a text from the Bank of Ireland. So it's not just AIB. It isn't just AIB. It's probably not. 
It's probably not. Was it one of our digital experts was telling us a few weeks ago on the show, it might have been Liam Brady, some one of these, that these are international scams. These aren't been run out of some little flat out in, out in Wilton or anywhere anywhere at all. These are international scams, some of them being run out of Russia and places like that, and hundreds of people involved. So, so it's, it's a big, big deal. It's a big, big deal. And the comparison between the two websites, uh, to the naked eye, you won't tell the difference. Just be wary of that. If you get the text from your bank, and with so many people buying online at the moment, uh, do not respond to a text from your bank or purporting to be from your bank that says there's a, a query about a transaction on your account. It, did, it didn't happen. 1850-715-996 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors Leading the way for Toyota hybrids The place to order your 211 Toyota See lehanmotors.ie We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits After midday on Cork's 96FM With your local mace Going the extra smile For 60 Christmases and counting Cork's 96FM <laughs> This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Coming up after 11 this morning, I will be speaking to Minister for Foreign Affairs and Trade, Simon Coveney, uh, to do with, well, among other things, Brexit. What the hell is going on? It's beginning to look now like the end of a strike where the two sides are sitting around the table, baiting the table, trying to figure out a deal. That there will be a deal, there will be an arrangement, but it has to happen in such a way that nobody loses face. That's what Brexit's starting to look like right now. And remember I said after the Brexit referendum back in 2016, I made a prediction that no one here will really care about Brexit. No ordinary people will really care about Brexit until they feel the effects of it. So we kind of need to know what they want to arrange. What are they trying to arrange? What deal are they trying to make? And how or why should you and I care about there being a deal or no deal? That and other things coming up after 11 with Minister Simon Coveney. 1850-715-996. Grab the photograph. Hang on there for me one second. Here it is in front of me. Paul, that tyre is in an awful state. And that's an alloy wheel. It's an alloy wheel. Is that banjacked as well? Indeed. It, well, I'll get a phone call there from Brendan from Direct Tires there. I'm waiting on a call back from him this morning. Um, he was the only tyre repair fella that came out to rescue us last night um, in the weather that we had. He was absolutely amazing. He had made arrangements himself to get a babysitter to come and take care of myself and my wife and kids. Tell me what yeah. happened. Well, we drove over the Mallow Bridge. We were approaching the Mallow Bridge and they were working on that bridge for months and months now. And like anybody else, the weather was atrocious. There was a loud bang. Um, I got into a safe area to park to check the car. Everything appeared fine. And about five minutes later, we turned right up the L206 or 204, leading to Kilbrin. And 300 yards up the road, there was a loud explosion. The wheel blew out and threw us into a 360 spin. I'm looking at it here now, the photographs you put up on Facebook. Like, that wheel literally just exploded. Totally. Totally. Just disintegrated. So, obviously, what you hit, the, the pothole weakened... The wall of the Weakened the wall of it, and then the bumps on the, lo- on the low... Oh, God. You were so yeah. lucky. We were very lucky. I was very, very, very upset 
wife and two kids, very kids, very upset this morning, still quite visibly. Um, we're just, as I said, we're very grateful to Brendan from Direct Tires. We wouldn't have got home otherwise. Yeah. You know? Um, were you far from home when this happened? We are about seven miles. Right. Caught out in the middle of nowhere in atrocious weather. in the middle weather. of nowhere and, you know, you wouldn't blame other drivers that passed us. They, they wouldn't stop, nor would probably I in the middle of nowhere in the dark. And this may sound you know, like a stupid question. Had you no spare? We did, but um, the wheel nuts were wedged on with an air gun and it wouldn't come off. Oh. Right? I had heart surgery this year, so even my energy was being sapped trying to take them off and I was at a stage where I couldn't do any more. Right. You right. know, so we were in a really bad situation. Now, I have contacted the council. And they've passed me on to the NRO, um, who are now going to get the main contractor to ring me that are doing the work on the bridge. Yeah. You know, um, my main thing for posting is that yourself, somebody call these people out and tell them that they need to take the welfare of road users into consideration. You know, somebody else is going to get seriously hurt from blowouts caused by the damage that bridges. And, yeah. Now, you know, forgive me, is that a, is that a Merc? Yeah. Yeah, I just, like, that's a fine, so, a fine solid car. Yeah. Like, imagine a small, light little car. Sure, you'd have gone over. Oh, like if it was a light car, we would have been flipped, you know, um, and they were all Goodyear tyres on her, so they're not cheap tyres. Yeah. So for that, the integrity of that tyre to get destroyed, it would tell you how bad that pothole well, that, is. That, that, that was some belt that got, that mm. was some belt that got. You know, so, I mean, I'm grateful that she, she took the call because I just, as I said, people driving on the Mallow Road, travelling north towards Limerick, when you get to the bridge, slow to 5 or 10 kilometres an hour for your own safety. And of course, dark evening, you wouldn't have seen it. There's no blame to you. No, no blame at all. But that... and, it's, and the rain is teeming down, and so it's filled with water. Yeah. Um, there's no pedestrian access, so I couldn't even try and get a lift to go back there to photograph the damage. Yeah. You no, know, that's about, that, that was a crater. That hit a across. crater. Yeah. And there's, we, and there's a few of them on it. Yeah. You know, so if, look, I appreciate it, PJ. Uh, if there's something you can do to warn people about it, well, we'll, um, we've, we've done that. We've, we've, we've shared your pictures on, mm. on our Twitter so that yeah. people know the damage it can do. How are, how are the family this morning? Are they all right? They're fine. My daughter and son were upset. My son has gone to school. My daughter was sort of visibly shook and a bit nervous. But look, sure. You know, she'll be assured that she'll be fine and everything will be okay. Okay. You all know? right. Listen, Paul, Is look after everybody. Thanks, PJ. Not at all. Thank not you. at all. Take okay. care. All right. And it's it's we've shared the pictures. That is a Merc. Right? Fine solid car, Goodyear tires, went over a pothole on Mallow Bridge. Pothole, of course, full of water, and got about four or five miles out the road, and the pressure of the damage done, it just literally bang, it just exploded under them. And they went into a spin, into a skid. And I've come across loads of people who've taken they've gotten their car repaired. And they've gotten photographs of where the pothole was and they've taken the photograph out to the council and said, here, you're paying for this. I don't know if anyone's ever managed to get money out of the council for damage done by a pothole. I'd love to know if anyone did. And that one's on the Mallow Bridge. There's a few bad ones around. Have you any local pothole that you'd like us to know about? We're not going to go on a pothole patrol here now, but if you have any local pothole that has some renown... Let us know. Send us a picture if you have one. Call us or email or text. Or send us a picture of any big pothole 
that you happen to have in your area. But that's that's appalling. That that wheel is just knackered, absolutely knackered. In fact, that could have damaged your suspension. That that kind of an impact. But Paul and his family, they're lucky at least. They're lucky at least that they're okay. If they were driving a small, light little car, they could have gone into the ditch or or worse. Okay. Opinion at 96.5 if you want to email in any photographs to us. Let us go to Ger. Ger, good morning to you. Good morning, uh, uh, PJ, and uh, thank you for affording me the opportunity of speaking with you. You're looking for help. What can we do for you, sir? I, I, I am, PJ. What it is is this. I'm, I'm, I'm... Penny dinners are looking to cover a period starting from the 19th to the 1st of January. They're, they've been afforded the opportunity of using the Deep South to accommodate people in terms of feeding them, right? But I'm, I'm looking to put... There, there are no cooking facilities over there, so what, what I'm looking for is voluntary chefs to go into penny dinners behind closed doors and actually prepare the food from the period of the 19th to the 1st of January for them a day in advance. Tell, tell me more now about the Deep South, because this is a new development. I wasn't aware of this. Yeah, well, I was, I was, I was in with Catherine during the week, and I don't know a whole lot about it, so I can't speak with any great authority. But Katrina is having them in there too to, to be fed over the Christmas, and that that's the venue. Really? And uh, as I say, if I if I I have some very esteemed professional colleagues already on board with me, but I, I'd need two or three chefs for only a, a treat maximum four hour period a day, PJ. You know, right. and that would be in the afternoon when they when they finished with their own kitchen, we would then move in and take take on the next lift. You know. Voluntarily, and of course, I know from talking to Katrina over the last couple mm. of months, everything has been checked out. She has a company providing COVID safety yeah. advice to her at all times. Indeed, so, indeed, yeah. indeed. But as I said, we'd be we'd be limited. Two, two chefs will do, but three chefs would be preferable per right. day. You know, right? And mm. uh, chefs move generally in circles. And I'd make an appeal to uh, BJ Barry Kenny or Ian Gayford, the lads, if they're if they're listening to this. To, to get in contact with me if they can do anything at all. Right. Or so you're looking for you're looking for a couple of chefs to give a couple of hours a day from the 19th of December to the 1st of January. Yes, PJ, excluding Christmas Day because it's, they've the catering sorted for yes. that. Oh, that's going to be a I, great I, day. I, I, oh, fantastic! But I, I don't need I don't need the same chefs every day. Right. It's just if we can spread it out in conjunction with our own jobs, PJ. You know. All right. Okay. If anyone can can help, they can contact us or contact Penny Dinners. I well, presume. They, they, it would be preferable to contact me because I'm coordinating the road for it, PJ. Right. Is there a number I can give you? There, I can give out? There is, PJ. It's 87 yes. I'll read that back to you. 87 That's it, PJ. All right. Listen, Jarrett, we'll do what we can for you. Thank you profoundly. Um, always a pleasure. Take care. That's Jero Sullivan looking for some volunteer chefs. I tell you, she's a mighty woman, that Katrina. She now has gone and she's got the deep south made available to her for a place for people to eat over the Christmas and New Year season. But she needs some volunteer chefs to put in a couple of hours a day. Jerry will do the roster. And just a couple of hours a day, volunteer chefs to keep the food going over the Christmas and New Year period. If you can help, if you'd like to help, 87 657 And that's with the exception of Christmas Day because I was hearing more over the weekend from Michael Mulcahy and others about what is in place for Christmas Day with the penny dinners. Lads, you've no idea. You've no idea of the stops that have been pulled out for this. It's phenomenal. Really phenomenal. And it'll all be done with full COVID compliance because there's a company has been giving 
Katrina the benefit of their expertise and information and advice since day one of this. So everything happening at the miracle of Little Hanover Street will be done in a fully COVID-compliant way. So looking forward to popping in there Christmas morning to see what's going on. 1850-715-996. My daughter had a problem in Churchfield last Thursday with a blowout. (coughs) Excuse me, a blowout after she hit a pothole. The tyre was cut in half. She never took a photo, though. The same happened to my sister yesterday down in Blackpool by South Dock. 1850-715-996. On the subject of condition of houses and repairs and all of that. For the record, says Councillor Ted Tynan of the Works Party, I'm the only city councillor who opposed the gifting of 50 million euro to the event centre, which would end up in private ownership. That money would be better spent on child housing and child services. And Tom says the council let go their workforce in favour of using contractors and that policy has not worked. Surely they have a legal obligation to their tenants. Another one, as a retired plumber and listening to that poor woman, her system is in need of replacement. That's what it sounds like. Old rads leak because there's an old weep that's never detected and the system is being topped up continuously with fresh water. Uh, 1850-715-996. Something very kind, and it's important to keep a kind attitude at this time. Something very kind is happening at the Bro Bar at the Brow Bar Boutique. Mel, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm great. You're doing something for our student nurses, Mel. I am indeed. Um, what I'm doing is I'm offering a complimentary shape to all our student nurses and midwives for all the extremely hard work they're doing. Um, unfortunately, they didn't get a raise like our politicians, so I'm offering to raise their brows. They didn't get anything? They didn't. They got nothing at all. And they're extremely hardworking. They're the glue of our health service. Um, I have loads of clients recommend that our nurses, and they're just fantastic. And what they're doing is fantastic. And especially especially at the moment with COVID, etc., etc., they just deserve a little treat on us. So presumably if they identify themselves with a student card or something? Yeah, absolutely. And if they just come in, they let us know if they produce their student card. Um, they can come in and have a complimentary safe on us. That's very good of you. Ah, uh, Sherlock. <laughs> we have to give back a little, don't we? Yeah, that's, that's extreme. That 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 is extremely kind and fair play to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So it's one of them Christmas. Yeah. So any of the student nurses and midwives, if they want to come along to any of our boutiques, they're more than welcome. You don't need an appointment. It's a walk-in service. And right. we'd be more than happy to make your brows beautiful for grandmas. <laughs> you guys have just come out of a second lockdown and you've had a, a difficult old year as well. Very hard. I'm, I was, my business was closed shy one week of six months this year. Wow. And so it was really, really tough. So we're back again. Now we're, we're hopping, thank God. We're always very busy. We're blessed. But during the last lockdown, when Debenhams closed down, I took on six girls from Debenhams that lost their jobs. Right. And they worked for a bow bar in Debenhams. So we took them on. And three of those girls are in my Middleton location. They're doing fantastic. And another three are in my Cork City location. How many outlets have you now, Mel? Um, four. <laughs> Brilliant. And how, yeah. many st- how many people are you employing? Um, I've got fourteen in total. Ah, listen, fair play to you. So even in <laughs> even in tough times, you you you're keeping the good side out. Look, I'm, I'm an optimist. You have to be. I think you know you can let this beat you or just say this is not going to get me. It's survival of the fittest, unfortunately, at the moment. And you know what? I love the business. I love what we do. I love my branding. I love the brand. 
and you know, Cork people, they're great, they're, they've always supported me and look, this is just me giving something back. Okay, so the Brow Bar Boutique, any one of your branches, nurse or midwife, provide yep. a student card and job socks up. Absolutely, and I'm just to the nurses, if you ever see me in Amy with a hangover, extra pillow. <laughs> 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 Nell, listen, good luck good luck with that and a happy Christmas to you and all the staff. Take care, bye bye. That's that's such a lovely thing. That's such a lovely gesture. So student nurses and midwives who obviously are getting they're getting nothing, like they're getting nothing from the government and they're getting a raw deal and there's judges getting pay rises and there's politicians getting pay rises, there's people all over the place getting pay rises. And the Bertie Hearn got an increase in his pension, didn't he? Something like, but they can't give a few bob to the student nurses who were taken from being ordinary students in an observational capacity on the ward were put straight up there on the front line. And they were able to pay them the first time out, but not the second time. So, yeah. Thank you, Mel. Very kind. 1850 Getting a few WhatsApp messages in about potholes around the place. Two big ones in Heron's Wood in Carrigaline. Caller wanted people in the Herons Wood area to be aware there is a huge problem as well with mice and rats there. And they think it's due to building work going on in the area, the movement of the ground. Of course, Herons Wood is not a million miles removed from Janeville. And Janeville has gone into another phase now. And there's a few different building jobs going on around there. And of course, yeah, break open the, break open the ground and open up sewers. That's what's going to come out. That's what's going on there. Uh, my daughter had the same problem in Churchfield last Thursday with the blowout after she hit a pothole. Uh, and another puncture on the bridge in Mallow this morning. 1850 Just on penny dinners, someone is asking, Does, do they need a pot washer? I'm free after the 22nd. Or do they need a driver? Well, it's chefs they were looking for this morning. But it's all being coordinated through Jer. I'll give you Jer's number again. It's 087-659-4772. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Don't let me forget, I will do it before 12. I've been taking a look at the COVID-19 cases in Cork over the last two weeks and tracking them back. You know how we've been doing it all through the pandemic. I gave it a break for a while, but I said I would have a look at it today. We have done very well in Cork over the last couple of weeks and should take a pat on the back, but should also remind ourselves to keep up the good work. So I'll get to that, I promise. Probably try and do it before 11, but certainly before 12. 1850-715-996, the number, the text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. The email, opinion at 96fm.ie. Also touching base this hour with our listener, Peter, who discovered, or brought to our attention at least, this AIB scam. Very elaborate, very well produced. The website is indistinguishable from the actual AIB website, but it's a scam and we've had messages in since 9 this morning someone else got it, they're a Bank of Ireland version and it's out on Bank of Ireland as well. Text messages purporting to be from your bank to do with a transaction that you may well have made online or may think you've made online and they're looking for you to, to tap on a link. Don't tap don't tap on the link 1850 715996. The Oireachtas Joint Committee on Transport and Communications is looking at possible changes 
to assist the industry, to, to assist the aviation industry, and what needs to be done to get it out of the mess that it's presently in. And it is in a terrible mess right now. It's, it's devastating to think of Cork Airport, for example, half empty, almost three quarters empty with uh, a 10 or 11 days to Christmas um, Kevin Cullinan communications manager Kevin the, we, we would be heading into the busiest 10 days of the year now and, and as it is the place is it's practically empty isn't it good morning to you good morning PJ yes I mean I'm sitting here in the terminal at the moment and there's a handful of passengers uh, checking in for a Heathrow and an Amsterdam flight uh, and that's it today two flights when you think this time last year we would have been serving, you know, 32 destinations in December, uh, and at the moment it's just two, so that will increase to five um, later in this week. But you know, passenger numbers will be down nearly 90% this Christmas. Like ordinarily, we'd be seeing seven or eight thousand passengers a day uh, going through through the building. Uh, we'll have about 13,000 in total over this Christmas and New Year period. So it's been absolutely decimated, as you say. Yeah, it's it's not sustainable long term, is it? Well, I think there is some there is some hopes for optimism. I think you know the the Pfizer announcement on the vaccine and, and, and a swathe of other announcements from other manufacturers following that are certainly given a boost to the industry. That airlines are starting to think now, and uh, can they start to recommence services? You know, in the springtime, maybe late March, early April. Uh, and then have a fuller scheduled for the the busier summer season ahead. So that has been a little bit of a game changer. Uh, and the fact that, as you say, uh, Ireland has performed exceptionally well in recent weeks in getting the the community transmission of the the virus down. Uh, and we're on this uh, so-called EU traffic light system. We've been orange now for for the last three weeks. So um, we are working our way uh, through this. Mm. Um, but again, it, it'll take you know everyone's efforts, um, particularly over the Christmas New Year period, to try and keep this curve suppressed. And that that, that hopefully will uh, we'll see the start of a, of a recovery for aviation. In, in, as I say, about the, the end of the, the first three months of next year. How important is rapid and accurate airport-based testing? It's absolutely vital. I mean, we've been calling for a number of months that this needs to happen. Um, at the moment, uh, Cork was the first airport in these islands, uh, quickly followed by Dublin and Shannon, uh, and Knock to introduce uh, this so-called PCR test, which is the one that anyone who's gone to the HSE testing centres is the test you get. And, you know, it's taking, you know, 24 to 48 hours to get a result. But if um, this antigen test could be introduced, that's a, a far quicker test mm. with results in 15 to 20 minutes. Um, so it's a very rapid test. It, it's it's considerably cheaper uh, than mm. any of the other tests, and it would give us the scale to put in place in not just cost. But there are those who would argue, your, though, Kevin, that it's not as accurate. Well, they, I believe they, they've been doing a parallel testing on on the antigen test along with PCR for a number of months now, and the the, the medical experts tell us that they're getting very encouraging okay. results. Um, you know, no no test is going to be a hundred percent accurate. Um, yeah. But we're we're talking, you know, a difference between, you know, whether a test is is ninety eight percent or ninety six percent accurate. And and when would someone be tested? If you had a, an antigen system set up, like would I be tested on arrival or on departure? 
Well, airports have been advocating that it would be done prior to departure because what you want to ensure is that you don't have somebody getting on board an aircraft that could possibly be carrying the virus, even though they might have no symptoms. Um, so the preference would be for pre-departure tests. So the the beauty of that would be you'd only have to allow an extra 15 or 20 minutes before the normal arrival time at the airport to get the test. Um, you'd have, you know, maybe wait 15 minutes to get your result. And once you have the all clear, um, basically uh, a sticker or, or, or a barcode could be printed onto your boarding card to say you're, you're good to go. Um, and you can head to your departure gate and you can you can fly in the confidence uh, that as you fly, uh, you have no, no, no symptoms and also you, there is no sign of the, the virus in your system. Because it uh, makes sense because if you imagine someone flying in, say now on one of your three or four flights a day, say from Heathrow, flying in from Heathrow to come home for the Christmas and they're in very good health and they have been minding themselves and they've been restricting their movements in preparation for travel, which were we're all told we should do. And then someone else in, in row 14 is asymptomatic. And before you know it, you've got a couple of a couple of people infected on the plane. Would the antigen testing make that, I think, of the past? Well, it would certainly reduce the, the, the risk of that happening um, if, if it was a, a pre-departure test. And that's what basically not just Cork, but indeed all of, of Europe's airports uh, have been advocating, um, and obviously this has to be done on a pan-European basis. Um, uh, each government uh, has national responsibility for the, the health of, of their own nation and the health policy in their own nation. Um, but what we've been advocating is similar to how Ireland has recently adopted this EU-wide traffic light system for identifying you know, how risk risky is it to travel to any individual country. Uh, we, we really need a, a a European-wide adoption of this rapid, low-cost, scalable pre-departure antigen test. Uh, Caller says here, not too sure if this comes within your remit, Kevin, but if the test is positive and you presumably you can't get on the flight, will you get a refund? And these are these are the issues that have to be worked out. I mean, um, obviously, we we don't have any role in the the, the contract or sale of, of airline tickets. That's mm. between the passenger and the airline. So. The airline would have to obviously agree um, to the adoption of the testing regime uh, and I suppose the various terms and conditions that would apply. Yeah. I mean, it would really only work if travel insurers were, were willing to reimburse a person if they happened to be test positive at the airport. It really would only work that way. And indeed, airlines have been very flexible, um, you know, in terms of trying to accommodate people with either rebooking um, there's been a lot of, of controversy, as you know, about how quickly they were able to, to instigate um, refunds um, from passengers that couldn't travel due to cancelled flights over the high state, the pandemic. Um, but it will require the whole ecosystem involved in travel and international travel, airports, airlines and policymakers. Uh, and that's, I suppose, what the, the Joint Committee on Transport and Communications Networks were calling for last week, that it, the, the aviation industry has been decimated. It, it needs to get back up and running and in the year again in, in springtime. Not just for the industry, but indeed for our economies. Um, we need to obviously project jobs. Uh, how, 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 how important is the arrival of vaccines on the scene? Oh, it's been a huge... I mean, even even, even the news that the, the, the results have been so positive has been a game changer. Um, you know, people didn't anticipate that a vaccine, you know, we were 
initially at the start of this, most scribes were saying, you know, if we could get a vaccine in the next three or four years. And here we have now a number of them yeah. at the end end of the year. So it's certainly, you know, the fact that it has, has started to be rolled out in the UK and Northern Ireland. And there's a program obviously now in train to, to follow here in the new year. Um, and similarly, governments right across Europe are, are looking at similar vaccination yeah. rollouts. Uh, that's going to be a huge, a huge game changer. Yes. Uh, and it's kind of the stimulus that the industry needs to get confidence. The, the Taoiseach has been saying this morning, he was speaking on Morning Ireland, he said the optimal time for a visit, a, availability of vaccination in this country will be May or June, as in by the time the most vulnerable are, are taken care of in the very early stages of vaccination program. For those of us who were thankfully blessed with good health, it'll generally be May or June before we can get our hands on a vaccine. Like, does that impact on plans for a summer schedule? Well, I suppose the fact that they're the most vulnerable obviously mm. will have to be vaccinated first. Um, that will give reassurance to those that are fit and healthy and can travel. Um, I mean, the, the spread of the virus by international air travellers has been, you know, in, in recent weeks, um, you know, less than, than 2%. Um, so people that have been travelling, you know, have been taking all of the precautions. I mean, since the outset of this, you know, we've put in various new health, safety and well-being measures at the airports. People, the few people that have been travelling will have seen a plethora of plexi screens at check-in desks and security desks and, you know, strict social distancing protocols being implemented and um, very frequent cleaning of all touch points. So I think, you know, as people get the confidence that um, the most vulnerable are being protected, I think that will um, perhaps allow a little bit more leisure traffic to to, to flow initially. Um, again, 60% of our traffic here at Cork uh, is, is back and forth to and from the UK, yes. our nearest neighbour, both for for cultural and, and personal reasons and business reasons. So we do need to get that corridor reopened uh, again at the moment. As I say, we have just a single Heathrow flight uh, at the moment. We'll have a Stansted added uh, this week, but um, all of the other provincial cities uh, in the UK are unserved in and out of Cork at the moment. So we, we do need to get that connectivity for, for students that are, are studying in the UK, for yeah. people that need to visit family and friends and relatives. Because sadly, over the, the summer months, the only people we were seeing flying to and from the UK were people attending funerals. Yeah, that that's very stark when you put it like that. And, and you know, you were meeting people in the terminal, you know, who were at their, their most vulnerable, going through um, the journey of grief uh, and trying to, to, to find a way to get to some part of the UK over, over London Heathrow and you know, your 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 heart will be broken for them because yes. you're you're trying to you're trying to help them on their journey and help them make those connections in the UK. Whether it's you know advising them of, of bus links or train links. Uh, in some cases, we had people turning up on days we didn't have flights, thinking that they could just you know go to a ticket desk and buy a flight to the UK, and having to try and get them a, a, onto a train or a bus to, yeah. to get them. To Dublin to, to make sure they could get to the yeah. the funeral service of a loved one oh, the next that's, day. That's been that's been very very hard, I'd say. Yeah. About a month from now would be mid January, Kevin, and it's the time when so many people, uh, ourselves included in Coogan Towers, sit down to look at what we might be doing in July or August and where we might be flying and what flights we might book. Will we be able to do that with a sense of confidence? I think you're going to see a later uh, 
on sale of, of summer flights than we're previously used to. People can remember advertisements on St. Stephen's Day on their TV screens in the past and people queuing outside travel agents, you know, the first day back after the, the Christmas festivities. Airlines are going to be releasing flights and putting flights back on in destinations a lot slower and they're quite risk averse and that they obviously need to see that the confidence is there yeah. um, to make it happen. So um, I wouldn't be expecting to see a, a plethora of routes on sale in, in early January. I think it's going to be a very slow, gradual build. Yeah. Um, and as I say, it could be, you know, the end of March or early April before you see um, exactly what routes will be on sale and operating for summer 2021. Okay, listen, Kevin, we'll keep in touch and I hope that you get the best. Uh, I know that Cork Airport always puts on a special effort for Christmas and even in these difficult times, you'll do the, you'll do the best you can. We're missing the, the Christmas choirs this year. We're missing the, the footfall of, uh, of tiny feet and, and singing their, their voices out. But nevertheless, you know, there, there'll be a warm welcome for everyone who does get home this Christmas. It is, it is a very strange year, a very strange time, but... Hopefully, this time next year, we'll be we'll be celebrating the the end of this pandemic, and uh, everyone will be safe and well. Indeed, and and so see all of us, Kevin. Thank you very much, Kevin Cullinan, uh, communications manager for Cork Airport. We're chatting over the weekend, uh, actually, with the family. You know, wouldn't it be great if this time next year, this was all gone? Wouldn't it be fabulous to be looking down from broadcasting house this time next year and to know that it's gone? Or if it's not gone, that it's well and truly under control. It would be brilliant. It would be so, so good if that could happen between vaccines and any other kind of science, testing, rapid testing, that we can do it. But as regards people coming in on flights, I heard over the weekend from an extremely dependable source, an extremely dependable source, that there was a flight into Cork in early December very early December, and this weekend just gone by, people were getting calls from a contact tracing centre to say uh, you might want to restrict your movements there for a while. There was a couple of cases on that plane. So it's we're, we're not out of the woods there or anything like it just yet. 1850-715-996. Actually, speaking of which, I think I'll give you those numbers now. We have done very well in Cork. Today is the 14th of December. Uh, figures are available up to last evening. So our 14-day rate of cases for Cork, city and county, as of last evening, Stoke today, is 119. 119 cases. That's 24, 25 cases per 100k. All right, or 24, 24, 25 per 100,000 population. 119 in the last 14 days, which is pretty good. Go back to November 30th, we had 340 cases. November 16th, the 14-day figure was 665. And November 2nd, the 14-day figure was 1,403. So we've gone from a 100K figure of 280 on the 2nd of November to a 100K figure of 24 which is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It's a tenth of it. The national 14-day rate is 80.2 per 100K as of the information hub at 8 o'clock this morning. So 14-day rate of 80.2, very much the, the lowest in Europe 
But Cork's rate per 100k is a quarter of the national figure. Our rate per 100k is a tenth of what it was in the first days of November. And our na- our rate is a quarter of the national figure. So we should be taking a very large pat on the back for the people of Cork who've been doing a super job in minding each other over the last few weeks. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM with your local mace where you're sure to find a friendly smile this Christmas. Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696. On Cork's 96FM. There's some sad sports news coming through there this morning with the death of the former Liverpool manager, Gerard Ullier. He's passed away. He was 73. That's sad news. And Charlie Pride at the weekend, the country and western singer, he died of COVID over the weekend. 1850-715-996. Peter, you took uh, screenshots of this AIB scam and I went looking at the website it takes you to this morning. It's very, very convincing, isn't it? Good morning to you. Morning, PJ. It's really convincing, and that's what was so concerning last night um, when I got the text message. So, like, I half six, um, sorry, twenty five to seven, I got a text. Your AIB Visa card has been used for online transaction at eighteen thirty. Not you? Question mark. Proceed to, and a, a genuinely, a, if you're glancing at the phone, you see AIB online, and you think banking, and you're going, oh yeah, that's that's probably correct. And I, I clicked it, but I didn't unclicked it or kind of delete like scrolled out of the browser again but uh, after talking to AB eventually um, after a while uh, last night you know looking back at it, the screenshot room when I went back into the site because they said look as long as you don't put in the details you're fine it is very convincing and yeah. as someone said to me online this morning it even has the, um, the little padlock icon on the yeah. on the search bar at the top like it it's, it's just it's just concerning at this time of the year that this will be coming out and people put the genuine take two laptops Peter or two tablets put the genuine AIB website up on one of them and put this up on the other one and to the naked eye it's very hard to tell them apart very hard I'm looking at it I I, I went on to the AIB website this morning just to have a look at it again and um, what I found was interesting from the AIB website there's nothing about scams or phishing on their home website warning people I know Bank of Ireland are doing a TV ad at the moment warning people but um what that that was what I found concerning last night. No, it came in at half six. Obviously, due to COVID, the customer support centres are reduced in times and staff, which is fair enough. But there was it took me a while to try and get to talk to anyone last night. Went thinking at the time, is there something wrong with my account? Um, and I think that's what would cause a lot of uh, unease with people at this time of year, especially. Um, you know, because people are doing a lot more online shopping now. Yes. Um, and hopefully with Irish retailers. But what I've noticed from my online shopping, and hopefully she's not listening, but, but my wife was present online there the other day, I noticed that the payment didn't go through until actually yesterday, mm. even though I bought it last Wednesday. So I suppose people might be a bit concerned seeing that happening in their account. And then if they were to get a message like that, what I saw from Twitter is that this was happening widespread to people yeah. uh, from AIB and Bank of Ireland and AIR 
So it's just it's just trying to make sure people are aware of it. That I'm talking to AB last night. Eventually, that um, they said, "Look, we'll never we'll never send anything else." But, but it came up in the text message as from AIB. Yeah, that's so, the thing. It it they're so well done by the scammers involved that they would if you have genuine messages from your bank in your phone, they will automatically the phone will group them with that. Yeah. So you and think it came from your bank? So, yeah, you, you can see on the screenshots that I put up that. I had savings from my credit cards being texted in. So it came in from the, underneath that. Now, it, as you say, it's grouped under AIB. They haven't, as I understand it, they haven't hijacked AIB. But um, it's still concerning, you know, and it's something that, you know, you'd hope that the banks would be more, a bit more proactive to kind of say to people, maybe the messages isn't getting through and maybe people have kind of become a bit nonchalant about it and they don't see the phishing. They say, oh, phishing, yeah, that'll never happen to me. And some people online today were saying, you'd have to be fairly sick to fall for that. I nearly fell for it. I wouldn't necessarily categorise no, We, we had this one out. Pressure would do it. We had this one out um, with, I think it was Liam Brady, a private investigator, a few weeks ago, or one of our resident experts. And I said that to him, that invariably when I talk about a, a scam like this, you get the very sort of glib reaction on social media. Ah, wouldn't you want to be as thick now as anything to fall for it? To which his response was, that's exactly how it's designed yeah. to make it look that, that, that good. Yeah. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Exactly. And it's, 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 just, it's just a warning to people. And you might have a lot of people this Christmas, especially, who might be doing more online shopping than they would have done previously. Yes. yes. And so they're not as as clued in maybe as yes. the others might and people be who are yeah, they're not, they're not familiar with it and they think oh crikey my bank now is trying to mind me here I did, did someone buy with my card or yeah. did, did something not go through or whatever and your bank and will never it, contact you that way it's the delayed payments I think is a big thing for people to, to be aware of so if you make an online transaction even if you do a, a, a card transaction in the shop on, on the weekends what I find um, is that it won't show up until it'll be taken out, but it might not show up in your bank account until Monday. But yes. some stores I found that when they're super busy, um, it's not showing up until a couple of days after Monday. By the time they the the, the, the systems recalibrate and they do all that, so while it was taken 
at the time of purchase. It might not show up in your account as, as uh, not pending anymore until the following Wednesday, which is what happened to me with one or two purchases. And you kind of, it does, you do kind of hold your breath a bit when you're looking at it. You're going like, is that coming out? What's the story there? Yeah. And especially with online, you're saying, well, because I find, I find that Google are doing, um, they're doing uh, payment holds on certain orders before they're fulfilled. So if you're having a big backlog for businesses, they might be taking the, the payment as, as a hold, but they're not drawing it down until they send the actual product out. Which is, in one way, reassuring because if the product doesn't come out, you can probably claim that money back at some point. But we're cut, but you're kind of in an ether on it. You know, it, 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 yeah. it, it's not cut and dry. So I, I hope that the banks maybe look at this point. It's probably too late to do anything. But in the new year, in this new world of super online purchases that we're doing, um, that they would be a bit more clear cut with people. Uh, and maybe a few more direct communications to people, like what Bank of Ireland are doing. To be fair, like they have a TV ad with um, with Baz uh, walking down the street. You know and that mm. that that gets to people who yeah. who need to be warned about this. You yeah. know, the younger generation generally don't need to be warned about it. They're probably more clued in. But people, you know, people in their thirties and upwards. Who, who might not have been used to it need need to just be vigilant. Yeah, we've gone we've gone so almost entirely cashless in the last six to eight months that we are we are a scammer's dream. Those of us who are not entirely used to it. Peter, thank you very much. That's Peter Horgan. That scam is very convincing. We hear that it's not just AIB now. There's one there from Bank of Ireland. We had the DPD messages last week. Um, purporting to be coming to you from a courier company that your parcel is here, there and everywhere and you need to click in and there's charges and all that's going to carry on. That's a scam as well. So there's any number of scams out there by people who are taking advantage of the fact that we're doing more of our purchasing at the moment, either cashlessly or online. Which reminds me, I'm not comfortable with this entire cashless move. And the more I think about it, the more uncomfortable I get with it. And I, at the moment, have cash in my wallet. I made a conscious decision over the last few days that I'm going to carry a little bit of cash over the Christmas time. Because, first of all, the WHO, the World Health Organization, has consistently said cash is not Dangerous. There's this notion that cash is lethally dangerous in terms of COVID-19. It isn't. It never was. Even Jack Lambert, Dr. Jack Lambert said to me early on in the pandemic, he said, the countertop, if it hasn't been properly cleaned down, is 10 times more dangerous than the cash you put on top of it. We're gone too far down this cashlessness route. If you want to spend cash, spend cash. Uh, they can't stop you. Well, some places are refusing to take cash. I know that. I, I generally try not to shop in those places. I like a choice. I logged into the AIB app earlier. It warned about phishing, says Morris. Yeah, I was doing some work on my online bank account last week and it had a warning there too. On Cork Airport, caller says, I was only talking to two people who went to Dubai and Marbella, respectively. And they both got those tests at either end of the fights. The antigen testing gives you a response in maybe 10 to 15 minutes. And on the vaccine, I'll put this question to Simon Coveney later when I'm talking to him. Uh, The US, the UK and Canada and some other countries have approved the vaccine already, says Dennis, and are rolling out the inoculations. EU bureaucracy, again, 
Delay means death, and we all know that over Christmas and after, there will be more trouble. The people have done their part of the bargain, sacrificing their freedom, their jobs, their businesses and their lives. Surely the EU can spend a few late nights to get the paperwork through so our old folks can get the jab over Christmas. That was remarked all right. The, the British medicines approval people, they rubber stamped it last week, the week before, and they're going to do it in the UK or the US this week, and they'll be rolling them out there. We have to wait till the 29th of December. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Due to demand, an extra Cork date has been added for Sarah Milliken's Bobby Dazzler Tour, taking place on the 14th of October next. Tickets are on sale now from the Opera House's website. Access all areas. Comedian Neil Delamere is set to play Collins this coming Wednesday. Neil will play two shows at the new outdoor stage in Collins, the first at 5.30pm and the second at 8. Very limited amount of tables available for two, three or four people. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. And a little note from David Doyle, buddy of mine at Velo Coffee Roasters. A little bit of good news, and we've been fans and friends of Velo since they started here a couple of years ago. Great to see now that one of their brands has found its way onto all of the Dunn stores shelves in the country. Their BMX coffee hitting the Dunn stores circuit, which means that's a massive deal, massive signing for Velo Coffee Roasters. Delighted to hear that, guys. Congratulations and happy Christmas to one and all uh, at a fine car company. 1850-715-996. Morris says the cashless society has hit some charities very hard. They don't all have tapping boxes for tapping the card. And I truly believe it has more to do with banks wanting to get rid of employees than concern about health. See where Cher have these tapping boxes, which is a good idea for their Christmas collection this year. But I think they are also taking cash. If you want to put cash into a share collection box, you, you can. And I'm going against the grain a small bit. I know some people don't like me saying this, but there is no evidence, nor has there been any evidence that cash is dangerous. But there's been this drive to make us go completely cashless in the last few months, and it's it's a little bit sinister. It's a small little bit sinister. Too much of it out there. Don't mind paying, don't mind tapping me card for this and that and the other, whatever. But I, I, the idea of not having cash in my wallet, no, I'm not happy with that anymore. Uh, I'm going to have cash in my wallet from now on. Andrew did a weekend course about three weeks ago, hosted by Mandate. The guy chairing the course made reference to a word, bailism, to do with bailouts. And he said... But basically, there would be a drive by governments all over the world in the near future for a cashless society. So as the next time there's a recession, governments can just take cash directly from people's accounts in the form of stealth taxes. That's the sinister side of it. One thing I notice, Andrew, and I'm sure others will too, I like during the year, in normal times, to empty my pockets every evening of all my change. 
And maybe even, you know, just definitely all my change. And I mean two euro coin, one euro coin, whatever, 50 cents. Whatever. Every evening I would empty the pockets of my jeans and my jacket or whatever and just dump them in the bucket. And then when I go on my summer holidays, I convert that back into cash. And you'd always have a few quid, a handy few quid going away on your holidays. I'm looking at that bucket now, which I keep in my bedroom, and it's looking very forlorn and lonely with a handful of coins in the bottom of it. So saving is another thing. Saving your little bit of spending money here, there, and everywhere is another thing affected by this, by this cashless society. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. I have a beautiful little letter in my hand, a letter that was written back on the first of November, nineteen sixty, and it's a little letter that keeps resurfacing, keeps resurfacing. Uh, um, now, Nor- Norma Welton is the principal of Glendore. National School, and it was Ryan, one of the pupils, who brought a letter in last week. Well, there's a long history to this letter, isn't there, Norma? Good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Yeah, so there's a long story behind the letter. Um, Ryan brought it in to me um, last week. He found it in his granddad's diary, and his granddad was Kevin Cregan, who sadly has passed away. Right. And Kevin was from Crosshaven. So Kevin's um, co-worker is Gerald, and they came across this letter when they were tangoing a chimney breast um, in Cork City and they found the letter. So I have the letter here with me. Um, I won't read out the address, obviously. Sure. But we'd love to get the letter back to the person who wrote it or her family. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you can. Um, read it out there. So it's written It's written by a little girl called Yvonne. There's a follow-on, by the way, that um, we, you, you, you may not know about, but I'll t- tell you. So you want to read the letter, go ahead. Okay, so it's Dear Santa, please give me a jar and a bottle for my dolly, also a stick with a balloon on it and a Rolls Royce dinky and a game of Ludo too. Happy Christmas, and then the little girl signed it. So obviously her dad wrote the letter for her. We found out that information since. And we just, you know, it's a feel-good story in the light of the year that we've had, and we'd love to get the letter back to yeah. Yvonne. Well, Yvonne Foley is, is her name. Yes. And and here's what's interesting, because back in the examiner in 2005, believe it mm-hmm. or not, a bit of a troll, uh, the the letter was... was Mentioned, yeah. Yeah, and Yvonne lives in Bray County Wicklow That's now. Right. Uh, and so she was found in, in, in 2005. But what's interesting is how the letter keeps on resurfacing. I don't know. It's, um, you know, it has been in a chimney, so obviously it's brown and tinged and a little bit, you know, weather-beaten with the smoke and whatever. But it's just such a lovely story and it just, you know, portrays the innocence Indeed. of young girls. Tell me. Simplicity with what, you know, kids... A jar. Please give me a jar. Now, jar... A jar was, a jar was for her marbles. A jar for marbles. I got no, because a jar was another old uh, cork expression for a hot water bottle. Okay. Did you ever hear that? Yes, I did, but I... Yeah. The exam, the jar was for her, um, for her, her marbles. They called them marbles. something incorrect. Glacialis. Yes. Glacialis. Yeah, the jar for me, Glacialis. All right. Yeah. Do, do you have Ryan there with you? I have Ryan here beside me, and it's okay for him to talk. Brilliant. Okay? Thanks. For and he's a great guy. Okay. 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 Hello. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Good. How did you find this letter? Uh, it was in my granddad's diary. Right. And 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 you were just going through it, were you, or looking through it? Yeah. 
and it fell out. Right. And when you saw what the little girl was looking for from from Santa all those years ago, a bottle for her dolly and a stick with a balloon on it. Yeah. And a dinky. What did you think? What did you think of it? It was a surprise. Mm. Do you write your own letter to Santa this year? Yeah. What did you put into your letter? Surprises. Surprises. I think everybody likes everybody likes surprises. Santa loves bringing surprises too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's to find such an old letter like that in your granddad's diary. Your granddad passed away, did he? When I was four. Okay. Okay. And how old are you now? Eleven. Oh, you're a big boy now. You're a big boy now. So how did how did you come to be going through his his diary? Um. I found it in um, a little glass wardrobe thing. Oh, I see. So, you were looking around for stuff and you found this diary belonging to yeah. your granddad and then this letter falls out of it. Yeah. Wow. And was it all covered in dust or coal or what was it? It was, was kind of brown. Um, yeah. You could see the ink and you can barely see the lines. Yeah, yeah. That would have been written. That would have been written with a very old pen. Yeah. Yeah, the kind of pen that you and I wouldn't use. Hmm. Thing called a fountain pen, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And you brought it into school. Why did you want to bring it into school? Um, I my grand said, "Would I like to bring it into school?" So I said, "Yeah." Yeah. Were they all? Were all your friends? Did I yeah. interested to see it, yeah? Yeah. What did they what did they think of this old letter that you found in your granddad's They old? were interested, excited. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. A balloon with a stick on it. What a lovely yeah. little toy to be getting. They were all excited. All right. Ryan, are you looking mm-hmm. forward to Christmas? Yeah. Good. Good. It'll be different this year, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, no, you've only a few days left in school. When are you finishing up for the holidays? The twenty second on a Tuesday. Okay. Oh, you're all you're you're all set. Put me back on to Mrs. Felton there, will you? Okay. Ryan, have a good, have a great Christmas, young man. Okay, that's Ryan finished. Yeah, he's a great lad. Thank you. He's a great oh, lad. He's a, he's a lovely kid. We're mad about him here. Yeah, and uh, they're all you... pulling the phone. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so look, I suppose the bottom line is that we want to find Yvonne and maybe get Jared and Ryan to give her back the letter. Yeah, and yeah. It would just as be a, lovely. As I said, the, the examiner located her in, yeah. in, in 2005 um, to Bray, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. still out there. The, the letter is still out there. I have it here be... in my hands, yeah. Yeah, and you'd, you'd like to actually return it to her? I'd love to give it to Gerald, who worked with Ryan's yes. granddad, yes. and for Ger- uh, the two of them to give it back to her. Yes, yes. So, Okay. If there's anyone in Cork who knows her or whatever, we can arrange it. Okay. And it would have been back in the western suburb of the city, shall we say, around 19... Yeah, Western Road. Western Road, 1960. It was Mm -hmm. written. And as I said, keeps keeps resurfacing. Yeah. Okay. All right, listen. Lovely talking to you, Noreen. How how are things down in in, in Glendore these days? Are you all preparing for the Christmas? Are you all a bit... Yeah, we're busy. We're finishing up on the 22nd, but we're doing our Christmas plays. They have a Stampy, Stampy Jumper Day. We have um, St. Vincent de Paul collection. Um, 
what else? We're walking to Drumbegstone Circle on Monday. Yeah. And yeah, you know, it's, it's a wind down time. Brilliant. How are you getting the, the play done when. Well, we're doing the play on Friday, but um, each classroom is doing their own play. But obviously, we can't, you know, have parents in. Yeah. So we're hoping to take photographs and send one by email to parents. Oh, that's brilliant. That's great. So listen, that's great. Thank you and have a lovely Christmas. And you too. And best to everyone down in lovely Glendore, uh, down in West Cork, and in particular to, to young Ryan, who found that letter written by Yvonne Foley to Santa back in 1960. And Western Road, Dear Santa, please give me a jar and a bottle for my dolly and a stick with a balloon on it and a Rolls Royce dinky and a game of Ludo. The jar, was it a glass jar for glacialis for marbles? We don't know. Or was it a hot water bottle? Which people used to call a jar in Cork as well. But she was found or located by the examiner in 2005. I just have all English or Owen Edwards' old article from the 23rd of December 2005, uh, which says that uh, the the writer of the letter lived in Bray in County Wicklow at the time. Um, but now they'd like to ha- get it back to her rather than just finding her. They'd rather like to get the letter back to her. Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. 1850-715-996, the number, the text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter at OpinionLine96 with the hashtag of OL96. And of course, you can contact the Corks 96FM Facebook page anytime. But please do mark your message for the attention of the opinion line, it makes it easier for us to uh, to sort them out. Joined on the line by the Minister for Foreign Affairs and Trade, Simon Coveney, um, because we have been hearing all weekend and all last week, and we'll continue to hear for the rest of this week, about Brexit and where we are going as regards to Brexit. It's over four years now, June of 2016, since uh, a referendum on Brexit in the UK. And they're still, well, they're gone, but they're not gone. Um, They're gone officially on the 31st of December. And they're trying to do a deal at the moment between Europe and Britain. And we are concerned about that, obviously. And they're negotiating and they're meeting and they're on the phone and they're having Boris flew to... Brussels last week for dinner with Ursula van der Leyen and Michal Martin was talking to her over the weekend and it's all toing and froing. And for the average Joe and Mary Soap listening to all of this, it kind of goes over their head because they don't either understand or don't care. Uh, good morning, Minister. Morning, PJ. Um, I, I made a I... prediction after the referendum in 2016, that most ordinary people wouldn't care about Brexit until it affected them directly in the pocket or in their employment. What exactly is it that they're trying to get agreed at the moment? Is Britain gone or isn't it? Yeah, so at the end of January this year, Britain formally left the European Union. Um, But what we had agreed before that, which was this time last year, 
was to have what's called a withdrawal agreement, which is an international treaty which becomes international law, uh, which effectively structured that exit from the European Union. And it put in place what was called uh, a, a transition period for 12 months. So in other words, until the end of this year, uh, effectively everything stays the same, as if the, the UK was still a member of the EU and its single market and its customs union for trade and so on. So in other words, we were given a, uh, a period uh, uh, within which uh, we would negotiate uh, a future trade agreement and a future relationship agreement. So that sounds technical on some level, but if you're, if you're selling product into Britain or buying from Britain, like about 100,000 Irish businesses do, mm. uh, which, uh, that employ over 200,000 people in Ireland, well, then that really matters to you. So if we don't manage to get a trade deal in the next few days, uh, if you're someone who buys from, sells to, or sells through the UK, because a lot of people would sell through the UK into France and Germany and Spain and Portugal and Netherlands and Belgium and so on, mm. then, then, then your business is likely to be significantly disrupted. And why is um, that, Minister? Well, so if you're selling to Britain, uh, and let's just take the food industry, because Cork, as a county in a city, produces more food in virtually every food category than any other county in Ireland. Right. If you if you're selling into Britain uh, and we sell about five and a half billion euros worth of food and drink to the UK each year. Well, then there will be tariffs on that trade if there's not a trade agreement. And what does that that mean? What that means is that in order to sell into the British market, five and a half billion euros worth of food, we would be paying up to one and a half billion euros worth of tariff on that trade. So for beef, for example, if you sell beef into Britain without a trade agreement, well, then what's called the World Trade Organization rules apply, which means the tariff applies to that product of about 30%. So we would have to pay to sell our own products in the UK. Exactly. Now, what that would effectively mean is that the British consumer would would end up paying more for that product because it would include the tariff because we can't sell it at a loss. Um, And if, if Irish products becomes much more expensive in the UK, well, then they're likely to look elsewhere for their food options. And that's why this is so uh, potentially threatening to the Irish food industry. But it's not just food. If you're a fisherman out of Union Hall or Castletown Bear or Kinsale or Crossaven or Tremor or wherever, um, you um, at the moment are likely to be catching some of your fish in British waters. Uh, If you're not allowed access British waters in the future, uh, that is going to create uh, a reduction in fishing opportunities potentially for the Irish fishing fleet, which again is going to cause problems. Uh, we employ about 16,000 people across our fishing fleet. It's worth about 1.3, 1.4 billion euros a year to the Irish economy. And a, a big part of our fishing industry is actually linked to us being able to access British wa- uh, fishing waters and then being able to access ours. That may not be possible unless there's an agreement put in place to do that. If you're someone who buys online, Mm. Um, a lot of people will buy online from, from Amazon or whatever sites they purchase from. Much of that will be sourcing products from British companies. Yes. Those, um, you're not going to get the same consumer protections that you have now. So if you buy now from a, a company in the UK online and you don't get what you asked for, uh, you can return it. You can get refunds. And all of that is covered by EU regulations to make sure that consumers are protected. None of that will be there from the 1st of January. So you don't know whether you'll be able to return or get a refund. If you're, if you're purchasing from the UK and you're a business, say a hairdresser is buying in product mm. uh, or a pharmaceutical company buying in product or a medical devices company buying in product, 
uh, the product that you're sourcing from the UK may not be certified for the EU market any longer. Um, uh, and so all of these things that you don't really think about because for decades we've taken for granted that Britain and Ireland uh, are effectively the same market for the sale uh, of goods uh, and movement of goods and people because we've all been in the European Union together and we all share the same single market for trade. All of that is now being disrupted. Um, And there's all sorts of knock-on consequences that, believe me, will impact on people's lives. Even, Even product coming into... You know our big supermarket chains here. Like, will things get dearer, or there will be will they be scarce? No, I mean, like, I think I I think there isn't going to be a, a problem in terms of volume, but there may be an issue on price. So we could see certain products becoming more expensive because a tariff will apply both ways. This isn't just about a tariff applying on Irish goods going to the UK. It's also a tariff on UK goods coming to Ireland. And again, if you take food as an example, we actually purchase about four and a half billion euros worth of food. A lot of that is packaged food, processed food, uh, and an awful lot of our supermarket chains. If you take, you know, Marks and Spencer, for example, a lot of their product would have been packaged and processed in the UK before it comes back into mm. Ireland. Uh, and again, there could be tariffs on that on that product, which makes it more expensive. So, you know, people who think that Brexit, and I know people have got bored of Brexit. It's gone on for four and a half years. Every time they I, hear I don't me think talking it's about bored. Brexit, I don't think it's bored per se, Minister. I, I don't think it's bored per se. I think what it is, it has been conducted in a very technical manner uh, by, by people who sort of are a bit detached from the ordinary family who's currently trying to put together a nice, safe Christmas for themselves as best they can. And they hear this Brexit, 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 and trade deal, trade deal, trade deal. And it's a kind of a combination that they don't know what it is or they don't care what it is. So thank you for that explanation yeah. of, of what is likely to, say, to happen. PJ, I mean, you know, to, look, we've had a horrible year this year. Right. It's been a tragic year for so many families. It's been really, really tough for so many businesses. There's so many pubs, for example, still closed that can't open because of restrictions. Uh, households haven't been able to meet each other. But this has been a year that everybody wants to forget. But next year, we hope to be able to um, see you know, an economy growing strongly again, people getting back to work, um, income levels increasing. Uh, and we predict that, um, that if we can get a, a trade deal on Brexit, the Irish economy could grow by more than 6% next year. Mm. If we don't get an agreement on Brexit, the predictions are that it could be 3% less than that. That means, unfortunately, more people unemployed, uh, less money to spend uh, in terms of government coffers and budgets uh, and so on, in terms of supporting people uh, and healthcare systems and education systems and spending and so on. So this does really matter in terms of people's quality of life. And that's why... People like me have been, in many ways, almost a Brexit minister rather than a foreign affairs minister for the last few years because this really matters for Ireland. I mean, our economy is so integrated with the British economy that actually when Britain essentially decides to effectively go it alone, separate itself from the EU and its single market, mm. that has created huge tensions that we've tried to resolve. And, 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 and there lies way, a question. Week, couple of very... We got, go ahead. Go ahead, sorry. Just for the question, because on some good news on Brexit, because there hasn't been much of it, but there is some good news now. Last week, we got a fantastic deal done, which is uh, around the Irish border question and Northern Ireland. So you might remember, as part of the deal last year, we got what's called a protocol on Northern Ireland and Ireland, yeah. which, which effectively means that there will be no border infrastructure needed at any point in the future between North and South of the island, which for me was a huge priority. Uh, because of all of the, the political and social tensions 
that that trying to reimpose border infrastructure and checks on the border would have caused. Mm. Uh, but wasn't so, that precluded by the Good Friday Agreement anyway? So it really wasn't that much of a win. No, it wasn't, unfortunately. Um, uh, and uh, from a trade perspective, if we didn't get the protocol in place, Ireland, the Republic of Ireland at least, would have faced the choice of either being taken out of the single market itself because it could no longer prevent goods coming in through Northern Ireland unchecked or putting up border infrastructure to protect our place in the EU single market, which would have been a really horrific choice to have to make. Uh, And so now we don't have to make that choice because we've got a deal which essentially extends the EU single market for goods de facto into Northern Ireland. In other words, goods that come into Northern Ireland from Great Britain now essentially are treated as goods coming into the EU single market and the checks take place uh, instead of being on the border, they will take place now in ports in Northern Ireland and in the Belfast airport as well. Um, so that has been a, a very complex but really important uh, element of this negotiation to protect the peace process and to protect an all-island economy. And last week, we got sign-off from the two sides, the UK and the EU side, on the implementation of that protocol in full, which is complex but really important from an Irish perspective. So that's a good news story. Yeah. What we don't have now yet is a trade deal and what's called a future relationship agreement, which deals with everything from road haulage to aviation yeah. to fishing to data. Uh, is that and what they're trying to trash out? Services. That's what they're trying to trash out. And they have everything done except two things. Uh, one is that there isn't a fisheries agreement. So um, what the, the UK are, side are saying is we want to take back control of our own fishing waters uh, and we want to negotiate on an annual basis whether we allow anybody in to catch fish or not. We're saying, well, no, uh, if we're going to facilitate access for British interests into the EU markets across multiple areas, from aviation to haulage to energy uh, to goods and so on, well, then it's not unreasonable for us to, act, uh, to ask for some access into your fishing grounds for our fishermen and to give them that certainty in the years ahead. That's not agreed yet, and there's a lot of tension around that fishery negotiation. Yeah. And then the second issue is... is is free and fair competition. And this is really important because uh, both sides have now agreed that, that the rules and standards of the EU single market, as they are today, can't be undermined in, in, in the future in Britain to derive competitive advantage for their own companies. In other words, the rules around state aid, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, if a British government decides to give subsidies that go way beyond what the EU allows in Ireland certain businesses, well, then they would get extra support and get competitive advantage and still be selling into the EU market tariff-free. We can't allow that. Right. And I think the UK understands that. No. The, real, the real challenge has been what happens to future change. So in other words, I think there's agreement that the, the existing rules and standards need to be the absolute minimum, whether that's workers' rights, consumer protection, um, uh, you know, environmental protections, uh, climate change commitments, uh, and so on. But what happens in the future if the EU decides to add extra regulation for some very good reason in the future and the UK decides not to do that mm-hmm. and therefore the cost of doing business is lower in Britain than it is in the EU? Um, how do we respond to that? Okay. Does the EU have a retaliatory mechanism okay. to maintain fair competition? How, and how that's much of this? That's essentially what they're trying to, okay. to finalise at the moment. If, if they can get an agreement on fair competition and get agreement on fishing, then I think we're going to get an overall deal which will be good for Ireland. Now, how much of this 
minister is is is, is gamesmanship. And, and what I mean by that is, this is like coming to the end of a negotiation on a very long and very bitter strike. Everybody yeah. wants a deal. Everybody wants a solution that's suitable to them, but no one can afford to lose face. Like Boris is there saying he would get Brexit done. He's on record saying that no deal is better than a bad deal. He wants a deal. We need a deal. Everybody needs something agreed. Ursula von der Leyen just as, as well wants a deal for the EU. I'm looking at this with a very cynical head and going, do you know what? They're only looking for a way now to sign it off so nobody loses face. Yeah, I wish it was that easy, but unfortunately it's not. Uh, the issues are actually genuine in terms of the disagreement uh, and the gap between what both sides at the moment are willing to accept. But you are right, of course. Uh, if there's going to be a deal here, there can't be a clear winner and a clear loser. So both sides will need to be able to take something from this that they can sell. The EU has to be able to say, we, we are going to have a future relationship with the UK that involves free but also fair uh, trade and competition uh, because there's no way they can put uh, EU companies at a disadvantage versus the UK in the future by doing a trade deal. Like That would be completely uh, unsaleable across the EU. Mm. And, and from, the, from a UK perspective, they have to be able to say we're being treated as an independent, sovereign country with respect that makes our own decisions. So um, that's the key issue for them. And they, they can't, Boris cannot lose face. He cannot come yeah. out of this with losing face. He's well, got to I mean, get something to sell back to Parliament. He's got to get something that he can sell. But, but to be honest with you, from an EU perspective, this isn't about Boris Johnson or any one person. This is about the next 5, 10, 20, yeah. 50 years uh, in terms of the, the relationship, which hopefully can be one of partnership. Is, is it a good thing, Simon, that they're continuing to talk and they've decided to continue to talk up to and including Christmas? Well, I mean, first of all, they haven't decided to continue to talk indefinitely. I mean, uh, I think that uh, it is a good thing that they've decided to continue to talk. That, for me, suggests that they're making progress. Uh, the reports we're getting back today from the task force is that there has been some progress on the level playing field, fair competition issue, but it's not quite done yet. But there are um, there has been some progress on it, which is good. Um, fishing is still very, very difficult um, because it's so emotive and so political for both sides. Uh, my job, of course, is to defend the interests of the Irish fishing industry, and I'll and I'm. Mm, well, I remember you being an MEP back in the day, and 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 fishing was a thing then, and yeah, it continues and, and to of be a I'm thing. Yeah, and minister with responsibility for the fishing industry as yeah. well. So, I mean, look, I know this sector very well, okay. um, and you know, I'm working with uh, Mr. McConnell and others to make sure that we protect all sectors, whether it's agriculture, fishing, um, uh, you know, or any other sector for that we'll, matter. We'll, we'll, so, we'll, see, we'll, we'll, we'll see what pans so we'll out. See, I just wanted to move we'll on. We'll see where to... it goes, but I mean, uh, okay. I, I think this week, uh, between now and next weekend, really is the, the crux of this. Okay. I know I've been saying this now for the last <laughs> number of weeks, that this is the crucial week, but really I think um, uh, if there isn't uh, an agreement on a way forward by next weekend, uh, we really are running out of time in mm. terms of being able to ratify an agreement. Yeah. The last, last you know, chance saloon as it um, were. So we're, you know, we're at the very end of this. At this Let day. me move on to uh, the COVID-19 vaccine, if you would, Minister, please. Yeah. Um, we're hearing that we will have one, if not two of them ratified or certified to, to go uh, rolled out here in this country in, in January. Um, what's yeah. the timeline then? How quickly can we get the most vulnerable vaccinated and then those of us who are less of a priority? Yeah, so I, um, my understanding is that the, we're hopeful that, that the Pfizer vaccine will be 
uh, will be approved before the end of the year uh, by the EU approval bodies. Um, uh, and, uh, and we hope then to be able to move within days, literally. Um, so, so certainly by the second week of January, uh, we hope that, um, that uh, to be ensuring that the most vulnerable people, which essentially are elderly people in, in nursing homes mm. and residential care, uh, that they'll be the first to get this. Um, uh, and that we'll roll it out as quickly as we can. Um, and will there and be a big campaign the out between, there then to get over the hesitancy? Between, yeah, well, well, I think the gap between approval and and you know application, hopefully, will be no more than about 10 days. And then we, sh- we should have a second vaccine, we hope, approved by the middle of January, which again will, will, uh, will add to the rollout even further. Uh, and yeah, look, we do have a challenge. There are, there are people who are sceptical of vaccines in Ireland. We know that. Um, and uh, it's up to all of us to give reassurance on the basis of facts mm. um, uh, on you know just how rigorous the testing of, of these vaccines have been. And I don't believe, uh, knowing the EU approval bodies, I don't believe any vaccine will get approved if it hasn't gone through rigorous testing. Yes. Um, and um, so I hope that people will have an open mind, uh, those that are sceptical. I think most people will want to get this vaccine as soon as they can. Over, over the summer, over the summer, Minister, we got used to big, long government ads telling us about this stage of COVID-19 and that stage of COVID-19. Is there some kind of a similar PR campaign planned for the vaccines? Oh, yeah, I think so. But um, for some people, though, the more they hear from government, the more sceptical they are, unfortunately. So, you know, we have to make sure that it's doctors uh, and medical professionals and experts that are actually giving um, the advice here yeah. because I think people do trust their doctor um, uh, and that's where I think most of this advice is going to come from. We'll obviously uh, as a government fully endorse that too because our public health experts I think have really proven their worth over the last eight or nine months. I think they've done an incredible job mm. uh, under huge pressure. Uh, Presumably get, they'll get paid then soon. They'll get their sorted out before they have to go on strike. The doctors. Well, look. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, that's a matter. That's a matter for negotiation. I don't. I don't want to get into that. But I think the government. Uh, I think if ever we've seen the value of our public health team and public health experts, uh, we've seen it this year. They, uh, because of the advice they've given and the the, the choices that the government ha- has made on the back of that, uh, you know, we have managed to save thousands and thousands of lives. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we've also seen. Um, quite a number of people lose their lives and so many families have been impacted by that but that's why I think everybody now is looking forward to next year I hope being a much more positive optimistic outlook Mm -hmm. uh, in the context of multiple vaccines being available uh, and uh, allowing you know, life to get back to some level uh, of normal. Hopefully, but hopefully by this time next year, COVID will be will be a memory. Uh, will we have an Certainly event centre so. started by this time next year? I certainly hope so. Um, you know, we've been we've been in contact with um, you know with Anne Doherty's office in City Hall. I mean, we're in regular contact with her on this. Um, I mean, look, there's been there have been so many false barriers dawns. to get over here. Well, in fairness, not false dawns. I mean, I think I've been pretty upfront about the barriers as they've emerged each time, and we've found a way around them each time. The government is is committing fifty million euros to this project. That's a huge commitment from government. But this is a huge project for Cork. And in my view, the state will get, will get its money back and a lot more over time from that investment. But it's also hugely important to, to our city in terms of pubs and restaurants and a rebound next year of hopefully positivity and spend and activity uh, as we move past COVID. 
And for me, this is a really important part of that. Do you Uh, believe they'll be actively building by this time next year, Minister? Well, I certainly hope so. Um, I mean, what's needed now is to finalise the contract uh, that involves BAM, Live Nation and Cork City Council. Uh, That is being actively worked on. To be fair to Live Nation, they have been disrupted in an extraordinary way this year. Uh, I mean, they are the second largest in the world at what they do, which is event management at scale. uh, And no events have been happening. So that obviously has impacted on their business model significantly. But but we have been told directly by Live Nation that they're absolutely still committed to this project and want to make it happen. And from BAM also, and certainly... The team in Cork City Council have done a brilliant job right. of this. So, did you, so you, did you notice that report at the weekend whereby it wasn't on an updated list for Project Ireland 2040? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't read too much into that, to be honest. I mean, a number of people have mentioned that to me. Uh, this project, in many ways, has been a project, you know, separate to that in, because it's been going on for so long. Um, and this is about getting a contract finalised. Um, the, the funding, uh, the availability of funding from government has been confirmed on multiple occasions and I'm very confident that it's still there. Um, So I wouldn't read too much into that. I sincerely hope that we will have something started by this time next year. Lastly and finally, Minister, briefly, Tom wants me to ask you about the Defence Forces. They also come under your remit. People leaving all the time for better opportunities. We don't have enough naval personnel. We don't, we're we're running low on soldiers. People are depending on social welfare to top up their meagre wages. The, The Defence Forces are in rag order, Minister. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you from the naval base, actually, as it happens. Um, so I've just spent, uh, you know, a couple of hours this morning with, with, the, with the naval service and senior management uh, in the Defence Forces uh, and the Secretary General of the Department of Defence uh, working out our response to COVID from a, from a fisheries protection perspective uh, and from a naval resources perspective. So I can tell you um, the Defence Forces are a huge priority for me. Uh, I wanted to be Minister for Defence again. Uh, I looked for this responsibility. I know we've had a number of bad years in terms of recruitment and retention, uh, and we are responding to that from a policy and resource perspective. The budget this year was a significant increase on last year for the Defence Forces. Uh, this week, we will uh, I'll be bringing to government uh, a, a proposal on setting up a commission for the future of the Defence Forces with a, with a very high-powered group of people that have agreed to be on that commission to report within 12 months. Um, we have, even in the last few months, uh, introduced a new uh, incentive to go to, ski, uh, to go to sea for the Naval Service, which means if they commit to go to, uh, to sea for two years, they'll get an extra €10,000 in terms of um, uh, financial recognition of that. So there's a lot happening okay. uh, to try to turn around uh, the negative perceptions around the Defence Forces of the last number of years. Uh, and I can tell you it's a big priority for me and we're getting it done. OK, well, we'll talk again about it some other time. Uh, thank you very much for your time today. That's Minister for Foreign Affairs and and Defence, uh, Minister Simon Coveney. Thank you, Simon. 1850 I don't know if you've any better understanding of Brexit than you had a half an hour ago. I sincerely hope that you do, because to be fair to the man, I do. I do. I still think there'll be a deal done. I still think they'll cobble some kind of agreement together. But the biggest problem is that no one must lose face. No one can lose face here. Nobody. Ursula, not Boris, not our crowd, not their crowd. Nobody must lose face. And what they're at the situation now is how can we get something done here without losing face? 1850 715 996. Hey, maybe I'm just naive. I don't know. 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM with your local mace, serving local communities for 60 Christmases and counting. Cork's 96FM. He certainly knows the Brexit process, the Brexit process inside out. And and here's hoping that uh, some kind of a deal or other will be done over the next uh, the next few days. Something that we can cling on to because, like he said, things could become very expensive when you go to buy them. You might not be able to get certain things. We might not be able to sell all this food, particularly from Cork, we food we sell into Britain. There was a guy contacted us last week uh, saying, "Look, leave it. It'll be grand. We sell them so much. They need us more as much as we need them." And there is that too. They need us a lot. They're our biggest, uh, for example, our biggest buyers of cheese, uh, huge buyers of our meat and huge buyers of all our different kinds of food. They need us a lot. So in the end of the day, a deal will probably be done. But uh, thank you to Minister Coveney for explaining it in, in language that we can all understand. 185715996. The dogs on the street know the event centre is a disaster. Fine Gael neglected the services that are keeping the country going. This is that message. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The annual Christmas charity smartphone quiz will take place in the Briar Rose Douglas on Thursday the 17th of December. This year, they're raising money for Edel House, which helps vulnerable women and children. Entry to the quiz is free. A collection will be taken on the night, which will be matched by the owner of the Briar Rose. There'll be spot prizes for best dressed and much more. The smartphone quiz is hosted by Cork's 96FM's own Darren Johnston. Tables are limited, so book now to secure your place. For more info, check out the Briar Rose Cork on Instagram. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Here's the one. The country says this one is in for a very rude awakening with Brexit. Amazon has warned all their customers about extra costs if they're outside the UK. I believe eventually we'll have to rejoin the UK or face total economic ruin. Even the lauded pharmachem sector is beginning to wobble. We're sitting on a time bomb, but all anybody's worried about is this country is stocking up with alcohol for Christmas so they can go binge drinking at home. But that's a little bit unfair to finish up with that. I really do think that's rather unfair. But I get your point, all right, we're in trouble without the UK. They're in trouble without us too, let's remember that. And we can't do a deal with each other because of the rules of the EU. Only time will tell, and there's a... Talks are still continuing. Let me go to line six, because I've been trying to get to talk to this man. He's very busy. We've been trying to pin him down for the last couple of weeks. Delighted to be joined by Jack O'Rourke. Jack, good morning to you. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. And thanks for... for, for, for um for talking to us. This is a very ambitious 
online event that you're involved in. It's Other Voices, home at the Guinness Storehouse. Now, this has been going on for a few years, but you're putting it online this year. They are, yeah. Um, so this is a big festival. It's, it's, it's almost 15 years in the making now. Um, Philip King started it, um, who is obviously a huge um, historian and musician um, from Irish folk music, but he's a huge interest in all types of music. Um, and he brought Amy Winehouse over and The National and um, Elbow and mm. a lot of very acclaimed artists. And I got to play at St. James's Church a couple of years ago for the festival, which would normally in a COVID-free world be on the first week of December. And it's, it's kind of like a kind of a Mount Rushmore if you're a Irish musician, if you get to play that church, you feel, OK, well, my, my, my peers respect me, you know. Mm. So I was delighted when that happened. Um, and this time, yeah, this time it's online, obviously, because of everything that's going on. Mm. So so it's it's a good lineup. I just look looking through the lineup. How will people be able to get it, get to see it? So if you watch it, it's... Um, it's going to be presented by Loa, who's a very interesting artist and she's singer and actress. She was on with Tommy yeah, Tiernan last year. She her sister on with Tommy Tiernan last year. They were recently, yeah. yeah, which is very interesting. It's such a great show that, and you get to really see people's vulnerabilities. But um, she's a brilliant musician. I'm singing this, the the perennial Christmas classic River by Tony Mitchell, um, and we're being accompanied by the... Uh, the um, a string quartet called Crash Ensemble, and uh, villagers will be involved, and... Um, Jafaris, John Sheehan from the Dubliners, Emer Quinn. Um, so it, it's a, it's a very interesting eclectic lineup. And if you if you tune in on Wednesday at eight o'clock on the Other Voices Facebook page and YouTube, you'll see it, and it'll be live from the Guinness Storehouse. So the setting will be very interesting as well. Yeah. Now it's it's involved with the Irish music industry COVID emergency fund because the industry, Jack, has been devastated. For yeah, so my industry has been decimated. I'm lucky, I suppose, because I'm a secondary teacher. Yeah. But a lot of musicians um, don't have that to fall back on. It's their one source of income. And I suppose if your listeners are listening, it, it, it's um, like, like, like every industry, um, it's been affected. But I think artists and musicians, there's a perception if your name is a household name, like Mary Coughlin, for example, People will think that you've made a lot of money, whereas she was on recently since she makes 30 grand a year and she works bloody hard for us. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's so many things we can do. I mean, radio are playing more Irish artists, thankfully, and more artists of different genres, which I think is important too. Yeah. Um, you know, to support the incredible um, landscape of Irish musicians and songwriters out there, you know, there isn't just pop being played. Um, and, but I think, you know, I think if people want to buy an album by an Irish artist or songwriter from an Irish record store like Music Zone in Douglas, I think that'd be the best way to support Irish artists at the moment. You yeah, know? actually buy their, and, buy their stuff. And what, to go to gigs. Yeah, well, <laughs> when, when, we can, we can. Go, when we can, yeah. Because I, I have seen, I, I happened to watch a, a brilliant Liam Gallagher gig from, from, from London last week, and, and I was thinking... Do you know what? There would be a great platform if this continues, and we hope to goodness it'll be all gone by the end of next year. But, but like for for artists to put on gigs, go into an empty theatre, film the gig, and we'd all be quite happy to pay a few quid to buy a link to so, see yeah. it online. You know, there is, and I've done a few of those. Um, nothing beats, I suppose, the um, exchange between an audience and a singer no. or a songwriter. Um, and even for me, if, if I've uh, if I have a you know a set list of my songs and a few covers that I might do and my own songs I've written, I mean it can change in the middle of the gig, gig yeah. depending on someone shouting out or, or you might catch the eye of someone or I mean it all depends on the energy and that's really special and it's completely unique and I think a lot of us maybe took that for granted, but look it's the next best thing so um, 
yeah, there'll be a lot of gigs at the moment putting up online, and some will be prepaid. So that's another way you can. Yeah, you, you, you send them, you yeah. pay them as ten or fifteen euro or something. Yeah. You get a link sent to you exactly. and a password, and you know that's great. I, I think it's a great way to do it going forward. If we have to be like this for a few months more, which I unfortunately so. looks like we will. Yeah, but sure. It makes for a lot of time to write new songs, you know. <laughs> doesn't it just, doesn't it? All right, yeah. Jack, when is it? So it's Wednesday, isn't it? So it's Wednesday at 8 o'clock on the Other Voices Facebook page. So, yeah, tune in. It'll be great. It'll okay. be really, really interesting. Good luck Please with it. Thanks for your time. Thank you no, so much. No problem. Appreciate it, Jack. Thank you. 1850-715-996. Actually, here's another little knack you can try. If you've got one of these um, smart TVs, or just modern tellies that has a couple of HDMIs in it, and if you happen to have a laptop, with a HDMI in it or any other ways you can connect can go to one of these Facebook page gigs or whatever and, and connect the laptop into the telly and you'll have it on the big screen in the front room and it's great really is 1850-715-996 where am I going? Ted 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 Hi Ted how are you? Hello good morning how are you? Good now one of one of Santa's helpers Ted yes Yes, and it's a tough old time because Santa's helpers are all having to be very COVID compliant now. It's been a difficult old year for Santa. It's been very difficult, you know, but, you know, so far so good. And we're trying to make sure all the kids that they see Santa and uh, a lot of them have um, been in um, outdoor, you know, situations with schools, all outdoors and visiting clubs, etc. So... We kept going, you know, the the monastery now is the next one. We were there already, the North Mon, nice. and uh, we're looking forward to that now, coming up to Christmas. So normally we're, we're, we go visiting Mary Mount, but there's no no hospitals this year. It is all Zoom calls, yes. and we're doing calls for the for the um, Cork City community bus responders as well. But um, I'm doing a lot of voluntary for people that, you know, they, they really can't afford, you know, to see Santa as such. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll just call to the door, etc. Yeah. And uh, I've been... Because very few, very few yeah. of Santa's helpers have been able to get into the, the big supermarkets and the big shops this year. It's been very much changed. Yeah. We know that the man himself will be arriving and he's completely oh, he's, COVID he's, compliant and he has no problems. He'll and, be there on time, just leave out the, the milk and the cookies good. and I, the in, carrots. In fact, I, I heard over the weekend that there was a special box of vaccines being flown directly to the North Pole so he oh, yes. and the elves are all vaccinated. <laughs> Yeah. Very important indeed. And uh, I'd like to thank the, the community guards and Grand Opera as well, Sergeant Dwyer and Garda Tony Gardner. They're going to provide the, um, the Garda van so we can go around and give out a box of chocolate to impoverished areas up above. And so, you know, they've been very helpful to, help, helpful to us. You know, they give us the bus for, for the boxing club. I'm with Sunnyside and Gordon Joyce. Yes. And uh, they give us the bus to go to training and sparring, etc. But the, the main focus at the moment, anyway, is for, for impoverished areas and children that, that have to see Santa. We'll make sure they see them. Great. So, so I'm on Facebook, anyway, Ted Benin, and uh, we even send a message to Brenda's bits there that we were available. So, you know, I wish you a happy Christmas, anyway, and your family, PJ. And to you. And uh, everything is going well, and uh, we, we'll have a good Christmas, and we'll try and keep everyone happy. Indeed, indeed, and safe. Yes. Yeah, it's all safe. So that's priority. The outdoor, the outdoor weather was good, as you saw. It was for the GA. They've been very lucky with it, like that. But for schools now, 
etc. Clubs like that. I was up in St Mary's there now, the soccer club, and I was out in Vicarstown. School it was all outdoors, and it was wonderful, absolutely wonderful, like that. Very you good. know, we kept our our distance at that. They were inside a little red hoop, and I, I had a lovely chair to sit on. You know, I've been one of Santi's helpers. Yes, and it was lovely, lovely indeed. You know, yeah. I saw one of the farms. All right, it was at Leahy's open or some one of those has a barn, and Santi sits at one oh, end of the barn. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But they like people. People are trying their best. You know, like you know, some people are doing it. You know, for their own reasons. I'm doing it for my reasons, and my main reason is is focusing on uh, volunteer and charity stuff like that, you know. The piggy bank is, is well full now. It's just uh, just trying to be nice to the community and the kids in my area like that. I'm from from the North Pole, as you know, but I'm living in Glanderbahar as well. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a change of, uh, of change yeah. surroundings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a All bit right. of a shock like that. <laughs> shock to the system. Yes. All right, yeah. listen. Ted, thank you very much. And uh, our best to Santa himself at the North Pole and to all the helpers trying to uh, keep... Santa visits going for everybody in this difficult, very difficult run-up to the festival. Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. With your local mace, going the extra smile for 60 Christmases and counting. Cork's 96FM. Right, just before we head out, a reminder to you that we'll be on right up to Christmas Eve here. We're packing a few good shows in for next week and for Christmas Eve in particular. And if you want to get your mention in for stuff that you're doing, and they're already flying in the door to us, but don't let us have forgotten you because you didn't tell us. Best way to get us is email opinion at 96fm.ie or you can email me at my own at pj at 96fm.ie if you have an event or carol singing or something you want to do online or a charitable connection that you want to do if there's someone away that you won't be able to um, to see this Christmas then remember on Christmas morning Shane Books has the special Christmas cracker uh, on Christmas morning from 11 o'clock that's reception at 96fm.ie if you want to get in touch with that program they'll set something up here for Christmas Day if you'd like to talk someone to someone before Christmas Day we can make that happen and remember then between Christmas and New Year uh, we're on the air here every day for an hour uh, with special compiled programs of the Christmas 2020 Rewind on the opinion line uh, some favourite bits and some favourite guests of the year that'll on between uh, Christmas and New Year on the programme but that's it for today uh, We our screens went pop on us in the last five minutes there was much uh, tearing and gnashing of teeth in here but we said we'd get out of it in one piece and do the best we can but remember if you have anything you want us to mention it is opinion at 96fm.ie and we'll do our level best to spread the word for you between now and Christmas Eve. Programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry, and we'll see you tomorrow just after nine.